Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Smart Casual. Good to have you back. My guest this week is comedian and actor Eleanor Tiernan. Eleanor and I spoke about many things, including the first couple of times we met and gigged together, the ups and downs of travelling as a comedian, her foray into acting and her recent appearance in the TV dark comedy Holding. So here it is, Smart Casual, with me, Jeff Innocent, and Eleanor Tiernan. Welcome to Smart Casual. I'm in the studio with Eleanor Tiernan. Hey, Hello, Jeff. Who's actually turned up a bit late. I don't want yeah. to make a... But uh, you did some washing this morning. <laughs> this is what we talk about when we're not in front of audiences. What yeah. happened is I was just explaining to Eleanor that I had a disastrous morning because my washing machine broke and water came flooding out. No one else was in the house. I had to deal with that. And uh, Eleanor was doing some washing as well this morning. This That's right, yeah. This is what goes on behind the scenes. It's uh, it's interesting to me that you brought up <laughs> the idea of laundry because you, I remember one of the first gigs, You this, get, getting into an anecdote straight away now here, uh, but one of the first gigs you and I did together in the store, you know, I think it was maybe, maybe I was doing 10, and um, you were backstage. <laughs> oh, you were closing. It's going to be embarrassing. It's not going to be no, embarrassing. No, I don't oh, think okay. it is. No, no. Okay. But you were ironing. Oh, uh, yeah. Backstage. And I take you were the first seriously. one, but other people were ironing. And I could see the seriousness in your eyes when you were ironing. Yes. And I, I was surprised, and I still am surprised at the level of ironing that is involved <laughs> in stand up comedy. Are I you? think people would be surprised. To know. Well, I, I how know, much this podcast is about you, Eleanor, but while we're on the subject of ironing, and I do take it very seriously, uh, you, because I used to be a window dresser mm. in men's fashion. So I was actually taught how to iron. You know, there's a skill, there's a method, there's a whole uh, oh, approach. So, particularly shirts. So when I'm in a dress room and see somebody ironing very badly or incorrectly, yeah, I, I can't watch, you know, I can't, <laughs> I have to get involved or iron their shirt for them. Yeah. And so, yeah, that must come as a surprise. It probably doesn't suit my appearance that I'd be somebody who takes ironing that seriously. No, or even the whole vibe of stand-up comedy being a rock and roll profession. No, everybody's backstage well, yeah. getting creases oh, out you, of their you clothes. You know when, uh, when uh, who was it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's an art form. <laughs> yeah, ironing's an art form. But you know Johnny Vegas, do you remember he had a, an Edinburgh show some years ago where it was about uh, um, um, pot, being pottery? Pot yeah. I wondered if I could do something like that where I'd take an iron and ironing board on the stage and it's some somehow it's a metaphor for my life in some way. Am I? I think that, I, I, I mean, no, I no think that's a that. good idea. No, they haven't. No. no one's done that. And ironing anecdotes. So, um, hold on, I've got Eleanor... Oh, no. Uh, what's going on here is that we are in a, a, a sort of multiplex of individual studios that get hired out. Some are for podcasts and people who take things seriously. Others are for musicians who are in this building smoking weed. As you can smell it in the corridor. And so the alarm may go off from time to time. And actually, uh, in our very studio, there is a condom that's been placed over the fire alarm by the people that were here previously or, or whoever. Uh, so they were obviously smoking in here. And this studio did smell of weed when my producer, Sam, came in 
this morning, and we don't want it to seem like it's us, but what did I say this morning, Sam, when I said... Um, said they'll get into trouble or something like that, some sort of dad thing. Yeah. I thought, what am I doing, man? When would I ever say a thing like that? <laughs> Eleanor Tiernan. So Eleanor Tiernan, um, a, a great stand-up uh, comedian, someone that I really enjoy working with, although I haven't worked with a lot. Mm. Um, I remember when we very first worked together. Do you remember that? Th- that involved a car journey. No, no, that well. was the second time. We're di- we're g- All right, yeah. The no, first back further time, was... Kilburn. Uh, Kilburn. Yeah. And I thought what was so sweet about that is I don't think you'd lived here very long or may have even turned up that week. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, how sweet. It's she green. still thinks Irish people have to go to Kilburn when they first <laughs> arrived in London. But there was a certain historical poetry to the fact that you were in Kilburn for me, I thought. You had a bit of an entourage. I don't know oh, I d- yeah, I, I thought, did. who's this? Some big star oh, coming over from Ireland. You see, that's the fatal mistake people make when they first come to London and they look people up. And because oh, people, when you when you get to London, people are very eager to help you, and they'll put you in touch with people and say, "Look up that person. They'll they'll help you. You know, give you a dig out in some way. I don't know okay. what. You know, there's nothing. But I think that night, some people that I've been put in touch with came along to the show and I see. do you know I don't I'm not a fan of people coming to shows no, no, at no, all no, no. um <laughs> it really puts me off uh when I've got another another head in the room that's from another part yeah. of my life little, oh yeah a little pocket of history oh well I somebody know that that's one. looking at you going that's not true I know I don't that know it, you don't talk well, like there's that there's all sorts of problems about having guests isn't there there's yeah. the practical one of them asking if they can come to a show you arranging it mm. and then them not turning up that happens quite a lot do you know that one yeah yeah and then they feel afterwards like they owe you an apology and like you didn't care you never yeah, wanted yeah. them to come in the first yeah, I know, place because we're just going to work like plumbers or something aren't we yeah. well, you want to come and watch me fix the sink are you sure <laughs> and people turning up from your past that's a killer mm. i had i had uh, i don't know if i've told this story on this podcast i had uh, the daughter of an ex-turner oh, yeah. up the creek and she came up to me and she went hello do you know who i am now because i've got a bit of previous i thought oh no this is not going to be one of those children turning up <laughs> after a million years stories but it turns out she was the daughter of my not that we were married but my first proper girlfriend when i was 16 we lived together for many years Mm. like a first wife and and she was the daughter and she goes out with a comedian so suddenly this whole past part of my life is now in this world and not just for one night no no and (laughs) and 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 they did come to see me and my ex-wife did come to see me and has come to see me on several occasions to watch watch me do comedy so yeah people turning up from parts of your history to watch you do stand-up comedy that's an odd one isn't it i want to keep it compartmentalized Mm -hmm. i worked the first time i met you was was in kilburn and then i don't think i don't know if i'd even worked with you until the next time we were doing a gig up in Norfolk somewhere, like Ipswich or somewhere. Ipswich, yes. And I was John the, was on the road I was the driver. Those. You were. And you and another act who who we won't mention his name, but we do have an affection for him, so we're not we're yep. not running him down. Let's just the if anyone can work out who he is, let me tell you that we both have an affection for this guy for all his his faults or or, yeah. or unique personality. I didn't have an affection for him. No, then. I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> I do now, yeah. We might give it away when we say uh, so. So we we had to meet at this place which was near earlier. So you turned up on Came time. Out I think to I think he was late, wasn't he? Was he late? That was the first thing, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, and he was under the influence of something. I don't know what. Uh, did he have a bottle of wine? Was he drinking he a bottle of wine? He definitely had a bottle of wine in the car. And I think I think maybe class A's were involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you'd never met him before, and he's a full-on sort of person. I think he sort of tests people. I think it's his way of getting to know someone is to test them. Yeah. And he, I mean, you did brilliantly, but it must have been, it was a baptism of fire, wasn't it? He sat in the back, we drove to Ipswich, and it was non... What's your favourite gangster films? What's your favourite Western? Which will give away who he is now to anyone who knows him. And he, it was that all the way up, and... Because yeah, I was I so don't know familiar. Any ga- gangster no, films. I think you rather cleverly went. Well, what's your favourite sort of romantic, romantic comedy? comedy? Yeah, Which I tried I thought, to oh, get him clever. talking. I thought, oh, that's clever. Um, uh, but you've grown. We've grown to. You've grown to to like him since. Yeah, he was very helpful to me um, since then in uh, shows that we did for the Cutting Edge um, in the store. Mm-hmm. So there, um, if people don't know, there uh, shows where. Um, just it's the comics come on and do jokes about topical material and he yeah we were you know you're backstage and you're under pressure and yeah he he gave me a few lines that got me out of a hole he's good for that he's isn't really he? good yeah yeah and he has a very, very strict writing guy. program as well. he is he is he is yeah. and when he gets that balance right between the arrogance and the charm on stage it is fantastic so good yeah that was good that was memorable though i enjoyed yeah. that yeah, I enjoyed that. No, yeah, it's part of my part of my indoctrination to the London. Well, I don't drive thing. anymore, so I'm now someone who goes in the car with other people who have done that on a couple of occasions, sitting in the back, and or, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. I like that better. Don't you? Uh, yeah, like I, I, I like it now that I know how to do it because I used to do it before, and I would blabber my way along all the way to the gig and I didn't realise when I started that there's a whole talking energy that comedians need need, and you need to save it for the stage uh, yeah, and I yeah. so when I started doing um, gigs I'd get into the car and I'd be blabbering all to the, the comics and I'd be telling them my little you know anecdotes and that but then when I get to the stage I'd be a bit like oh god yeah yeah <laughs> I've done all my talking for the day well they you call know, leaving you it in the gym they call that inboxing didn't they you've left it in the gym and you've gone on side yeah, yeah I get that yeah as well. so what you got to do is you know just shut up in the car and be mysterious and then talk all the way all you want on the way on the well, way home uh, 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 the, the problem i have is they're all very young now the people that are driving the car like really young in their mm. 20s sometimes so i i have to and they ask me lots of questions about comedy so i end up doing some sort of comedy workshop for two hours there and, and <laughs> two hours back but i have to say i really uh, uh, loved your comedy immediately you I, i'd never seen anybody do what you do before which, which rather nicely leads me to a couple of quotes that I found about you, which are ab- <laughs> absolutely fantastic. I don't know if they're true, um, but this is the one. I like this one. Tiernan boasts a magnificent curl in her lip and snarl in her voice. I like that. Do you like I that one? I enjoyed that one. Yeah, uh, that's yeah a good one. I know. Yeah, it's it's that, a bit that, naff to like your that's own That's a good one. And that like was that the one. Sunday Times. Yeah. And we've got this one. This is from the Scotsman, a distinct, inspired comic mind. That That's beautiful, concise, that's fantastic. But this one here from Chortle, Tiernan. Now, hold on. I, I like the way they call you by your surname, like you're a footballer. I like it too. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. Pele. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Tiernan. 
Chin. I read one recently about me and I thought, we mean innocent. How weird does it sound when they talk yeah. to you about Chiernan, I'm sorry to embarrass you, Chiernan has a uniquely oblique angle on the world. I mean, that's spot on. And her routines have a touch of whimsy while grounded in astute observation. That's beautiful, man. And it goes on to say it means her set. They should have said your, her comedy or her artistic output. Not yeah, set, that can take the out of it. Her set sounds fresh and original. Without being so willfully strange, it will alienate all but the most dedicated follower. And that's Chortle, <laughs> and it's hard to get a fantastic <laughs> thing out of Chortle. So Do you like Steve Bennett as a as a reviewer? I like Steve Bennett, actually. Well, mm. you, I think he's good. I, I How are you with, with, with Steve Bennett? Yeah. You, I, 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 I guess it all depends. What see, <laughs> he's been kind. To, he has, I haven't always gotten good reviews, but he's been no, kind enough over the years. I. So I, I, I think he's really fair, and when he's not, being kind to me, I think he's been fair enough. When I looked at it, I thought, yeah. yeah. The problem with Chortle, of course, is um, nobody had been reviewed <laughs> to in that with that sort of intensity, unless mm. they'd been to Edinburgh, had mm. they? So Chortle meant everyone was now being reviewed. On a Wednesday night in <laughs> Battersea, you were being reviewed as if it was you were, you were at uh, the Edinburgh Festival. But, yeah. but largely, I've enjoyed... Um, I've enjoyed Steve's Steve's thing. So you, you reckon that reflects you? You like those quotes? I do like them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. So what? Yeah. You know what? You have an agenda. Like I mean, what I mean is your process. I have an agenda when I do my comedy. I know where I want to take it, more or less. What my style is. Is that? Are you in control of that? Yeah, yeah. And you know um, what I mean by that because not everyone is in control of what they're doing comedically. It's just well, this is funny. I've thought of this, but you have an agenda. You have a plan. I don't. I would. I. I. I feel like I. I try and keep a certain tension in the room. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. That they. That they. They have to make a leap of faith in order to be in on the joke, and if they don't make that, then they're just left by the roadside. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That, is that very self-aggrandizing. No, though, no, to talk no, about no, no. But that's more that's more of a sort of technical approach. What about ideologically with your stuff? Have you do you have an agenda? Mm, I'm not sure. I just um Do you sit down with a topic at your desk and start and then see where it goes or <laughs> you don't have to give your secrets away, but I get uh, uh, maybe annoyed or embarrassed or feel guilty about things and then I try and turn it into something that I turn it around in some way. Uh, and put it back on the audience. Okay. Yeah. And 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 do you have a different approach to say when you're doing? And I hate using the term long form comedy, but you have a different approach when you're doing a, an hour show for Edinburgh to 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 sort of material right into clubs, or is it the same thing but just an hour of it? Very different. Very different because uh, uh. I I've written a few different Edinburgh shows, but my success rate at getting the material from the shows into a club set is very poor. Uh, they seem to be completely distinct okay. things. Well, that, there's me. a few comics like that, I think, you know. Mm, but you set out for it to be like that. I mean, do you set out for it knowing that it's a different audience or you you, you can do different things with an hour show? Or Yeah, I mean, I feel like a show, when I'm trying to do something cohesive, it has, you know, more of a, a through line than a comedy set will have. Okay. So, and I, d- I don't really 
have a like a, a clear approach that I take to every single mm-hmm. show that I have. Uh, I've done different. I've sta- had different starting points. Um, do you prefer either? I mean, is it do you or is it just a different experience? I re- I I think I prefer my. I enjoy club work more. It's just the buzz in clubs is just so much sure. stronger. The bandwidth is wider, <laughs> uh, and I th- I think I I like being on, on like a, a menu of comedians, uh, yeah, uh, rather than being sure. the whole meal. Sure, and and where do you see yourself on that menu? The main course. <laughs> Come on with these similes, <laughs> <laughs> like a gazpacho <laughs> soup. <laughs> I would like to know how you write your material. Mm. Mm. Well, I have targets mm. and I start autobiographically if I can and start with the I rather than the target. I don't I think it's very hard to to address outside issues in that way. There's not many comedians that can take on stuff without with you know without it being anecdotal you know like mark thomas jeremy hardy mark still maybe but it's not many is it no you think there about aren't. it yeah and i try to covertly smuggle in what might be seemingly highbrow themes and topics if they were flagged up so you know if i was one of those comedians go hey racism that's bad isn't it let's <laughs> talk about that so what i try and do is is talk about an experience in my life that subtextually takes on those topics. So I'm a bit of an old-fashioned 70s sort of sociological type comedian in that I'm interested in issues around class, race, gender and sexuality. But I don't like to flag that up. But if you look and go, oh yeah, this guy's just just got the audience involved in a a whole thing about about racism uh, without them knowing. Uh, So that's probably a bit of an, an agenda mm. that I have. But I I would love to, and I think I could still do this, I would love to take on really small things that annoy me, but sometimes when I try to do that, it's jarred with those bigger themes. Yeah, and I think they've... Th- yeah, yeah, and it, 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 it just doesn't seem... My status doesn't fit in yeah, me moaning they, about... Like, I don't, we know you... You don't care about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're and too high status. Yeah, but I really yeah. want to talk about those things. And maybe that is the routine. Yeah. That dilemma is the routine. You know what stand-up's yeah. like. The very dilemma is can be the very comedy. Yeah. But I've had a little bit of little bit of success in the opposite direction, which is to talk about really minute things, but in like a very intellectual way, mm-hmm. almost that like that thing juxtaposing those that can work as well i think yeah yeah i get you i get you uh so the bit that i've been i have been doing this bit about hand dryers which is almost like you know really digging down into into you know hand dryers like people kind of like the effort that you go to (laughs) for such a trivial (laughs) subject it's stupid to try and do that but i think that's the reverse of what you're because you're very colloquial, you know, in your your language mm-hmm. and that, but you're talking about big things like mm-hmm. racism. Yeah, and yeah, class. that co- that that contrast is probably works and is attractive, maybe even as well. Mm. But for me to talk about 
you know, I, that I hate emojis. They go, what the fuck's he talking about? <laughs> no, what are you talking yeah. about this shit? Yeah. What are you talking but about? But it's funny for you, li- for you to like emojis is hilarious to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be. Yeah, I love yeah. emojis, man. I yeah. love using them all the time. <laughs> yeah. But to have that. So so I write a lot of stuff and I think, I can't use that. It's just, it's, you're mm. going to go, what are you talking about that for? Same, yeah. But I, I you know, I, I'm lucky that I've got a big backstory in, you know, I do feel sorry for young, you know, slightly privileged, middle-class white comedians who actually haven't done anything or been anywhere, have no real, no sort of dramatic conflict in their life, but they <laughs> they want to be comedians where I can draw on so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I wonder maybe to a fault that I rely on that maybe and don't allow myself to to take on things outside of my own experience. But I do find that certainly to start the topic, anecdotally works for me mm. i think that's quite a good formula or policy for most comedians to start with the eye mm. anyway because you you talk about racism but you talk about how it affects you rather sure. than how society sure. yeah it's like I, you, I can't run her down the street yeah after yeah so you yeah. just you just expect or hope or find that people is it extrapolate is that the word or take from that and yeah. and turn it into a the wider issue yeah but i do especially now with with so-called um a, a so-called purge on diversity i do wonder if i didn't have a black wife or a gay son or a jewish dad or come from a poor background if i wouldn't get booked anymore because uh or, or what would i talk about i don't know but i never used to talk about those things and that actually that was a turning point for me because I, like a lot of comedians for many years, run with what I thought was me, but wasn't really me. I and know, yeah, yeah. You know, that yeah. protective armour that we develop. Yeah. We think, oh, this is funny, this will do. And then I think I had a, a turnaround where I just took on different topics, which were more personal to me, and it changed everything overnight, yeah. really. But I, I'm not sure that it's, like, you're talking about, you know, your wife and her ethnicity and everything but i think it's about you feel current like your stuff feels of mm. our time and that's why people respond to it and people sure book sure. you um because a lot of i see there's a lot of you know comics we work with who you know are having troubles with that but and i want to say to them that it's i don't i personally don't think it's because you're of, of a course. certain dem- demographic, it's like course. your stuff, your material doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it's from now. It feels well, even it if it was written now, it's because you you need to <laughs> engage with the world that we sure. have now. Relevance, and accept I think, it. Is, yeah. yeah, it's about relevant. And that's an interesting. There's an interesting thing about the wider debate about diversity, and it's one we've we've touched on it, it, on this podcast on a couple of occasions. It's and it is a an academic debate about what do we mean by diversity you know Mm. is it enough for someone to come from a minority uh, sexuality or a minority ethnicity or do they have to actually be diverse in what they talk about is it enough Mm. for for people to just look diverse or are we looking do they still have to be relevant and i think i would argue that in an art form like stand-up comedy everyone has to be relevant anyway yeah. So it's not enough to just be someone from a minority background to be doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. I think that's where I would end. But at the same time... It's like people call themselves political comedians. 
mm-hmm. you know, but you can go up and, and you can make jokes about how Boris Johnson looks. Yeah. And that's not political no, comedy. No, they're not there's taking people, on the issue, people are they? People who come on, exactly, yeah. People, yeah. There's, there's political comedians who you would never think are political comedians, mm-hmm. you know, who are talking about social issues. Yes. Uh, and that's a political comedian in of my Of course, yeah, being, being political in a, in a cultural way or yes. taking on cultural issues. Yeah. Certainly, yeah, just, just saying Boris Johnson, he's a bit of a wanker. That's not. Yeah, or do an impression of him, <laughs> you know, okay, but that's, you're just showing off, <laughs> basically. Hi, British Comedian of the Year, Jeff Innocent here. I just want to take some time out to tell you about my comedy course. It usually runs as six weekly three-hour sessions on Sunday afternoons from 1 to 4 p.m. at the famous Up the Creek Comedy Club in Greenwich, South London. On the course, amongst other things, you will learn how to write original jokes and comedy routines, discover your unique comic persona, study performance skills such as stagecraft, presence, audience interaction, and microphone technique. You will also receive constant advice from myself and any guest tutors and have the opportunity to perform your very first gig. It's aimed at absolute beginners and people who are already performing stand-up comedy but are looking to get better. Or anyone who just fancies learning about stand-up comedy. So you don't have to want to be a comedian. But I warn you, you probably will by the end of the course. It takes place upstairs at Up the Creek, which is a fantastic space for a workshop with its own stage and lighting, and it's totally conducive to the studying, discussing and performing of stand-up comedy. There's also usually a whole social element that develops in these workshops, which is totally out of my hands, where new friends and comedy comrades are made. It's always a very supportive culture. In fact, two of the students got pregnant at the same time at the previous workshop. So if you're trying for a baby, maybe this is the workshop for you. Our end-of-course show with invited audience of family and friends takes place downstairs on the main stage so the students get to experience the bright lights of performing at Up the Creek Comedy Club. And it's all professionally filmed and edited so you get a souvenir of your performance. Now, I've been performing at Up the Creek for 25 years. And it's about time they brought the next act on because I'm running out of material. Forgive me. I couldn't resist that. You will learn how to write better jokes than that. The point is I still get the same thrill every time I walk on that stage. My next course starts on May the 1st. For full details, please visit www.innocentacademy.com. Now, back to the podcast. You didn't start as a stand-up comedian, though, did you? You were an actor first, is that right? So I started, my first proper job was I was an engineer. Um, I was a, uh, on, like, civil engineer. Oh, wow. Well. You did that at university? Now, at uni, it? yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, uh, and I worked for a few years at that, and then I... Let's just get this right about what a civil engineer <laughs> is. Is that the, Are they those people that stand in the road with posts, and there's someone down the other end of the road... With a post or something. That's or the guys, yeah. Do you yeah. do that? You do that post. So the, the stuff I used to do was um, more around landfills and dumps, environmental stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, and back then... Well, you mean tipping it or, or <laughs> sorting it out? <laughs> Dumping sorting the through the recycling <laughs> for people. People didn't recycle back then, though. Um, so back... Uh, so what was your university course then? Civil engineering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I worked at that for a few years. And then uh, I had started doing uh, stand-up and acting in my spare time. And I had an opportunity because I was working in the civil service. You can take a five-year break 
with and not quit your job. So, but you don't get paid or anything. No, you? you can just go, but they'll hold well, on to your job. And then go back to that job. And yeah. Wow. So I tried stand-up comedy for five years. Okay. And then I said, no, I'm going back after five years. And did you go <laughs> I back? I went back. And things had changed, though, in the civil engineering Not world. a single <laughs> thing had changed. So I lasted eight <laughs> days on my on my return. Oh, no. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a terrible mistake. So I said, And then oh, you came back to stand-up then comedy? I back. My, my fallback position was stand-up so comedy. So was that five years of doing stand-up as a new act in Ireland? Or, yeah. Or, so yeah. exclusively in Ireland, you hadn't come over here during that that period while you were a new act i might have done one no i might have done one edinburgh show um the very first one and yeah what's the circuit like in ireland for a new act what what how many clubs are there or what the opportunity yeah it's 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 quite small because dublin is the only city that can seems to be able to sustain a club you know weekly Mm -hmm. um and they they come and go in other parts of the country so what's live and working one year won't be working six months later mm-hmm. you know it's it's just really hard to keep comedy, comedy so you're not going. how often you're getting on stage during this period what, what period are we talking about as well in in history this is like 2007 2008 okay. yeah and so how often you're getting to perform to learn your comedy trade like i would do everything so i would do like go on and like complete new act material night for, uh, you know every everyone that was going and then you know the middle of the week and then try and do weekends as well everything that i could get uh, and so and, and f- four or five nights a week well, are there many comedians is it like uh competitive or <laughs> like london you know like london there's just millions of new acts yeah it like yeah that then? yeah there were there were there was too many there yeah. was t- more there's than there's always there too gigs. many man too yeah. many did, yeah. when you went back did you incorporate any of your civil engineering skills <laughs> <laughs> you know, did you wear one of those high vis jackets? I was and able to, stick? yeah, lay out the car park properly for the gigs when I came back. Uh, so, how do you, is there still that thing of going to London to, you know, as a comedian mm. or is there or a musician or whatever, to going to London or getting out of Ireland in order to totally reach your potential career-wise and and even artistically it's a big thing yeah yeah i mean a lot of people don't do it and they don't they don't suffer they have great careers at home you know but then like i think i will like when i look back on the comedy i was doing back in dublin like it was bad uh (laughs) and it really pushed me up uh, you know a gear to coming over here i think the first one of the first gigs i did around the time I, i met met you i was on a middle slot around tony law opening and Mint Milton Jones closing, and God, the gaps in my set like were I just see. very apparent. So it was it was uh, like it was painful, but great experience to to and, you know. And, and how would how you compare the cultures? I always thought when I started, and there were a few Irish comedians that used to come over here on our circuit, and there were, I used to go there on a couple of occasions. Mm. Um, would you say there's a major difference artistically in 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 Irish comedy? I, I mean, yeah. I don't want to generalise, but what would you say? I mean, I've got my ideas, that I, but what would you say? Mm. I think here, I think audiences are more um, taken with an act that has polish. If an, if an act is polished, it, it'll take them a very long way. They might not necessarily always have 
you know a lot of substance to what they're saying. They they are they most most do have the polish and have substance, but in Ireland, audiences can sometimes get a little bit if an act is overly polished and doesn't have a lot to say. They can the audience can get a bit put off by it and feel like it's an act. I think I, I'm not sure where that comes from, but I feel like they are a little bit like they want to feel special. The audience they want they want to feel like it's this is the only gig this comedian has ever done, and it's just for them. Wow. Well, um, I think I think maybe I think that's our job anyway to make it look a bit like that. Yeah. So they try like Irish comedy. It's a little bit more ramshackle for that reason. I think that's how we give I the audience that see. message. I see. And d- was it intimidating to come here after that culture? Was it you know mm. shit? You know, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Or yeah, there's that, and then also you know, it's uh, it's just London kind of. It's you know obviously huge and then i had very little knowledge of uk geography so i had to learn the difference between brighton and new brighton and all these different things as well so there was a lot to lot to take on it's all worked out okay though it It was such a great experience brilliant yeah i funnily enough the last time i went to ireland i didn't do very well at all um they just didn't it, it was the big club the big the lounge yeah, which can be like an old jonglers type club and mm-hmm. a bit mainstream, but um, it was quite a shock to have a weekend where <laughs> just they weren't, they didn't just buy, just didn't buy into me right from the beginning, and it was a real struggle. And I, uh, that's horrible. Isn't <laughs> it? That's a shock. Although it's great just to be in Dublin for but the weekend. I think I don't know. I think sometimes, and I think the, what I understand has happened in the lounge is that um, the, the the local acts do so well there. That it's really hard mm-hmm. for a UK act to come on and follow them. I think I think the stand can, Scottish Scotland can be a little bit like that as well. Mm-hmm. You know that a local act can just push the buttons. You know in a way that you can't really um, compete with. So what they started to do was put the um, the act from the UK in the middle. Yeah, that's why I asked for. But but Peter said no. I want you to close. I know. And Kevin was on. Kevin Gildies, so I said, well, yeah. let him close. He went, no, no, we want you to close. I don't know. It was some sort of punishment <laughs> or something to watch with being humiliated. It's quite hard when it's you, just you, a, when it's you a vote don't feel good at what you think you're good at, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's yeah. That's a hard thing. Yeah. So what about the acting, though? Talk, talk to me about the acting. You, you, were in, you were in things before you were a stand-up comedian, weren't you? I, um, I well, just... What what have I done? I've done I I did acting like in a in a TV sketch show, um, like a political satire. Before show. you did stand up. No, I had been doing a bit of stand up okay. at that point. So they they kind of started off at the same time, but I I got acting gigs before I was I guess that good at stand up. And you're still doing acting now? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did a TV show in the summer, um, uh, at home in Ireland. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I love, I love that. I love doing acting as well. Do you? I love yeah, just yeah. being on the set, the whole process. Yeah. Usually I don't have a part that's that that, uh, uh, that difficult. You know, I usually just get sort of a, a cockney geezer or yeah. usually. But it's enough for it to be, to have a script and me for, to get a caravan and have my food <laughs> brought to me. So what, what, what have you done? I mean, I've done Call the Midwife. I don't know if you can top that, can you? 
Um, probably not. No, uh, <laughs> that's that's a big show. Uh, I did um, holding this summer, um, which hasn't been on yet. It's a film or a, a TV series of one of Graham Norton's novels that was directed. Kathy I didn't know he's written novels. Yeah, well, Graham Norton, the TV presenter. TV presenter has four novels written, wow. and um, Kathy Burke directed that. Okay. So I was super starstruck to be around Kathy. Sure. Yeah. She's like yeah, actually, I would just incredible actress. Like, she's a bit of a fan of mine, actually. If, yeah, yeah. On yeah. Twitter, she showed a bit of uh, a, a bit of interest and gave me a nice comment. Um, nice. You, and what she like to work with? What's yeah, she like? she's great. She's like a. Uh, she was director, so she was yeah, just really good at motivating people, getting people, you know, bringing happiness, light into the room, getting people, you know, is this up for the still day. to come out? This thing. Yeah, it's out in March. What is this then? It's called Holding. It's a murder mystery on ITV. That'll be on. Yeah. And and what yeah. part do you play? So I play um the girlfriend of somebody who might have done the murder. Mm. Uh, I also might have done it myself. I don't know if I'm supposed to So you is it a, you have the yeah. scene where you get interviewed by the police, is it? I go like to the police myself and wow. I have it out with the police and No one likes not. a grass, Eleanor. Yeah, well no one likes a grass. On the worst grass. Oh, yeah. That's so great, man. I love yeah. it. So it's fun. And and did you, I love it when you go and get all the costumes and shit as well, don't you? Mm, mm, they fit you in. Because yeah. I used to be a window dresser, as I said, and so that I always wanted to do that. Actually, when I thought, oh, that'd be good to do that to be in wardrobe where you're mm. doing all the, you know, it's so specific, isn't it? You know, down to watches and earrings and scarves to for them. Yeah, their, you their can concept, really lift right. a character with. Is it a, a period detail. piece or? or like no, it's modern, modern piece. Oh, yeah. I'm set in to that. in the in the west of the really remote part of Ireland. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It was a great job during lockdown to get. I did this once on a couple of occasions when I had some acting work. I saw it as a sort of almost a way of getting out of working on my stand up. Is that is that anything you've ever experienced? I thought, oh, that's a relief. If I crack it with the acting, I don't have to sit down and write stand-up comedy anymore or try and make myself funny. Do you do you know that Well, I did, I did get... I think what you... This is similar. I got quite jealous of the actors during the thing because they would just... When they finished acting, they would just go off and do nothing. And I was like, hang on a minute. Like, stand-up comedians never stop. Like, once you get off stage, tomorrow you've got to get up and start That's your right. podcast. The next day you've got to get up and write an article. That's the next right. day, you know, you're you know writing your Edinburgh show. The next thing you're, how, how am I going to get from York to Dover on that day trying to work sure. out travel arrangements? Like, our, we have to be like 20, so many different roles in our yeah. lives while actors are just... Sitting yeah, at home, phone <laughs> rings. Oh yeah, I'll be there, you know, and put it down again. That that which that is, is hard true. true. That is true. Although the other side of that, I think, is when you go for an audition, it doesn't matter if you don't get it mm. because tomorrow we're working anyway. Whereas <laughs> actors are so desperate to get that because they've got nothing in between. Oh yeah, but there's that's a nice the feeling going for auditions. Even do you ever go on auditions where everyone looks like you because that's <laughs> that's what they're looking for? And you say, oh no, there's people here. Yeah, like Hugan, who are yeah. actual proper actors. <laughs> oh, I never think I'm an actual you proper actor. You don't do that anymore, though, because it's all self-tapes now. Yeah, well, that's how... Uh, uh, um, I haven't done one of those yet. I haven't... Uh, or or Zoom... Do they do Zoom auditions? Zoom auditions, too, yeah. Yeah, I haven't done one of those. I've just no. done the self-tape. That thing. does save the schlepping into Soho to be in a queue with, with people that look like you, doesn't it? But it does, yeah. What's that like, that experience? How do you... The self-tape? Yeah. I like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit 
soulless. It feels, sure. you know, but, you know, you delete the ones you don't like. So Okay. And there's no yes or no there and then or we'll call you or anything. I, I guess there's less of, a, of an experience of humiliation, which there can be with auditions, isn't there? Yeah, there is, yeah. And they just yeah. dismiss you and you think, what? what or a feeling like that you left it behind. Like sometimes with the audition, in person auditions you can walk in and just you know spill coffee over yourself or something yeah. and then you know you yeah. walk out going oh mess that up well, yeah yeah that like, like being on a on a panel show really isn't it when <laughs> yeah. you're a comedian you think oh well, it's over i haven't actually <laughs> know, said anything yeah. yet and <laughs> and and they've all ahead of the game because they do yeah. them every week when, when does it when does it begin And tell me what projects you're working on at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to going to Dubai tomorrow to uh, Gale. Is that the Laughter Factory? Laughter Factory, yeah, yeah. Um, Have you been before? Weeks. I've been before, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're going again. Going again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like uh, the sunshine. That's a strange experience, isn't it, going to Dubai? Because uh, I think when you one first goes, it's such a spectacle. Mm. But there's always that underlying, um, uh, uh, um, not sense of guilt necessarily, but there's a dilemma, isn't there? There's a sort it's of a bit of discomfort, dilemma yeah. about yeah. what it's all based on and and the wealth mm. and everything. But so I don't, and I don't think the money is particularly good for those gigs. So it's about being, a, it's about five star accommodation for a, a couple it's of about weeks. Convincing isn't it? yourself really, you're yeah. you're one of the rich people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never feel that guilty because we're only uh, we're not earning money out of the exploitation, but there is a sense no. in which it's all been built on on slavery, and I always think that when I'm sitting in the car, I think I don't know if I should be here. <laughs> do you ever get that? that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I still, but I'm not judging anyway. you. I still yeah. go. Yeah, I still go as well. <laughs> is it a, a mixed bill? Because I know they have Irish comedy events over there. Don't they, they? do. I've not done those ones. Um. um because uh, I kind of just started doing Gail's ones first, mm. so you seem to kind of just do one or the other. But um, yeah, Larry Dean is going. Okay, he's uh, a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice to. It's about who you're with sometimes over there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's a different, completely different trip depending on the cast of characters. Yeah, when you're two weeks with people and you're having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. That can be a problem, but Larry Dean's a good guy, so yeah. you're safe. And I'm not very. I don't think I'm very patient person you know i get a bit if i'm out of my comfort zone you know if mm -hmm. i can't get the, the right kind of coffee that i want i'm yeah have I'm you done much traveling world traveling with with stand-up comedy because i think that's something that doesn't exist in the way that it used to yeah i know yeah i've been i've been, been to the far east and uh i've been to australia and new zealand mm -hmm. doing it um, well, that's good i yeah. like it if they're expats but it's not always you know when i've been in kuala lumpur mm. you know and it's been local people that hasn't always yeah. been that easy. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went I went to Bahrain once and thinking that it was an expat gig, which I was totally comfortable about. And it turned out that I was supporting an American Arab comic. I can't remember, Jez Jabrani, I think his name was. Oh, yeah, Master like, Jabrani, okay. yeah, yeah. And who was a big, big, uh, a famous comedian. Very, in, yeah, in, a big I guy, didn't yeah. know that. So I was I was actually doing my stuff in front of a local audience and, and it just wasn't working at all. But I had this joke at the time about, um, about Caterpillar Boots. 
boots. I used to do this joke about uh, wearing Caterpillar boots and how unethical that is because that's the same company that makes the bulldozers that the Israelis use to clear Palestinian villages. And it was about offsetting. And in the end, the sort of punchline was something about giving an Israeli a kick with the Caterpillar boots, right? Well, it turned the gig round. I got a standing ovation. <laughs> I was dying up to that point. And even though that my intention wasn't yeah. to rabble-rouse an, an anti-Israeli audience, I thought, I don't care. They stood up. They Suddenly, stood up. Yeah. They clapped. I got a standing ovation. They hadn't got anything else. It was a real struggle. Yeah. Um, so that that was fun, but it can be difficult. Yeah, it? it really tests, you know, your 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 material and the assumptions that we make about the audiences we're we're playing to. There's a bit I open with um, um, here. You know, it's the same in Ireland and England. It'll it'll work, which is about getting a taxi to the gig and the taxi driver thinking that I'm a sex worker going to the gig, which, you know, gets a laugh in Ireland and England, but that's only because people think it's outlandish that somebody would be a sex worker. While when I do that joke in countries where sex work is more prevalent, people go, well, are you a yeah. sex worker? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's more of a question. It doesn't answer itself. Yeah, I, 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 the problem I always find is in Europe, actually, because in those far-flung places, more than likely it's expats, mm. Australians, Canadians, Americans, Irish, New Zealand. But when you go to Europe, it's that thing of like Switzerland and Norway. Yeah, we can all speak English. You go, yeah, that's not you speaking English is one thing. You understanding these cultural references is a completely different thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And when you start carving those cultural references up for a foreign audience, you really lose your rhythm, don't you? When you start trying to find replacements, that's the other one we do. Yeah, our words like not using long words, you know, or changing the words. I was in. Stockholm there recently and there's a word in my set I just say cantankerous which mm -hmm. is you know uh, like it's, it's not it's not a, a word here people wouldn't know it's maybe not one everyone people mm -hmm. use every day but then I had to try and find a different word uh, or you know and I couldn't find the word that meant the right thing but also it's um it just changes your rhythm you know if you've got to it use does. as soon as you change your word yeah it? it's like yeah, yeah, I've always got problems with my colloquialism, like geezer or bloke and that, which is just meaningless to, to some people. And once you start saying man, man or person, <laughs> yeah. it's not funny anymore, is it? Who's this guy, yeah. And, and what about your accent, though? Because I'm, I'm very mindful when I'm doing comedy to a foreign audience that even though they speak English, I probably over-modify my accent. So that then I lose all my texture and, and characterization. Are, are there any... Have you ever have issues with that yourself? Yeah, yeah, but I do even in this country, I maybe. do pay attention with diction. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, maybe it's a bit stagey, but I try and yeah, make sure that I'm clear. But but also keep up the accent as sure. well. Yeah. Any favorite countries that to you've been to perform? I yeah. love America. I would I've do. never been. I've never been. Have you done it? Have you done comedy in America? Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Whereabouts? Yeah. I did a few. I did. Um, I did two weeks in Chicago, and that was great because I'd done short stints everywhere else. And while they're great, you only really get going about the third or fourth gig. That's when you start to sense. I I know what I can say to get these people, make them, you know, mm -hmm. tick or, or or whatever you're you know you're going for. So when I got, I did. Do you know a comic, Tom Rhodes? Yes, uh, I do. Yeah. 
So Tom was doing two weeks headlining in Zanies, a club in Chicago. And yeah, I was got to go over and, you know, feature for him. It wasn't, I didn't, ha- you know, it was against visa rules and all that. So it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, was your Irishness uh, a feature, Chicago, or was it Boston? I can't remember. But America itself has a, a big uh, Irish they culture do. and tradition, don't they? Did that? that resonate did that did that they do mean yeah anything? yeah i think they that like they kind of feel very um uh flattered is the wrong word but i guess they 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 really enjoy that you're there and that you've come uh, to do it and yeah i guess irishness has a bit of a different meaning over in america um so yeah it's well, well, a bit can you expand on on what you mean? It's very um like green, uh okay. like I've been over for St Patrick's Day, romanticized and and, and when you rural. see some of the like, and and it's not it's not their fault. They're just kind of brought you know brought up in this culture, but like you know they're dying the river green and everything, and that <laughs> Ireland doesn't even go as crazy as <laughs> for St Patrick's Day I as see. as they do in America. So it's a bit overwhelming um uh, to see it all play out like that. Yeah, I, I, I um, when I've been abroad, sometimes the audience's response can just pull the rug out. I would mm. somewhere, and because a lot of my act relies on me playing with the stereotypes, if that stereotype doesn't exist in that place, there's no offset. You're playing with something that doesn't mean anything. And but uh, I remember I was talking ab- about how racist I look, and someone in the front, a woman who thought she was helping, was saying, "No, you don't." You don't look racist. Don't say that about yourself. And I think, no, 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 I fucking do. Otherwise, my acts just won't stand up. So there's those cultural differences as well about how they perceive you or your stereotype. You know, as in Bahrain, they had no concept of a cockney geezer. Yeah. Of course. But that's happening generally in life as well, I think. People are starting to... Just the whole thing with therapy and, you know, you know, progressive thinking now everybody is saying that you know it's not if you don't have good self-esteem you know if you're slagging yourself off too much in conversation oh, i see i found that when <laughs> see i went home to ireland uh, you know and i think i said something this is when i was doing the film and i said something like uh oh god i'm sh- i always forget my mask you know going in shops i'm such a said something like i'm such a dickhead i wish i remember my mask more and somebody was like come on eleanor i'm not gonna let you talk about yourself uh, like that. Uh, so you uh, so a whole like, <laughs> so a whole sort of self-deprecating comedian wouldn't even have no no you're, you're no. putting yourself down fella yeah. come on yeah uh, therapy has has, has done away with that now it's, oh that's brilliant yeah, his time is gone that's great, man. So I've got, I've just picked up Berlin for April. So going abroad is starting to happen again for me. Yeah. Have yeah. you been to Berlin? I've never been no, there. No, but I picked it up for February. Is it Christian? Christian, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. if you're the visiting non German act on, on that weekend and I'm. Maybe, yeah, I'm the yeah. Other. That's exciting. Canary in the You're mind. going before me. So, yeah, you will be. The I'll canary let, in the mind for yeah, me. Yeah, oh, that's I'll tell you. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm so excited. I've never been to Berlin. I'm really excited, but I'm I was embarrassed because I because I'm so old. I'm still harbour old fashioned stereotypes and 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 things. And I, you know, about don't mention the war and <laughs> and you know, I live in a house that was bombed during the Second World War. So I'm still slightly brought up in that, that. I'm not saying I'm you know <laughs> I'm not saying I'm racist towards Germans, but 
I still want to play with that. And I'm sure they've moved on and it's their great grandparents that are involved in that now. And I, I, I've got to be very careful, you know, it's, it's that you do, but there's always a way, there's always an angle that it's just maybe not the, the, the first one we yeah, go for. Uh, well, it's funny how that it's certainly still acceptable in Britain to do shit like that because yeah, I was working in Newcastle Stand. I, I don't know if you, you do that, but the hotel that they put you in is next door and it's a German hotel with German the signs. The Motel One. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got German signs on the door and and uh, you know, things are verboten rather than please don't do that. Mm. Yeah, that sort of, which always seems sort of tough. And I, I actually went on stage and said to the Newcastle, I'm embarrassed that I, I found myself com- thinking these old stereotypes. And even when I got into the hotel and got to the uh, reception or checkpoint, as I'd rather call it, and the yeah. audience were laughing at that. <laughs> and I thought, you're still laughing at this, though. Why, and why are we doing this? And I said, it's next door. And I obviously started digging a tunnel, as is every Englishman's duty. And, and they just were laughing. And... I wonder how they are with that in Germany. I wonder if that if they maybe have stereotypes about the English Tommy or whatever. I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's it's very clear when you're performing that your intention yeah. is is always sure. to f- have fun. I mean, fun, my tendency so as soon as I got I the gig was I thought, oh, I can't wait to walk out there and go. I just want to make just want to let you know that's all forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've moved on. No need to mention it. But by mentioning it, and I just think, I wonder if they think why. I wonder if English acts do go there and do that. I don't want to be one of those. <laughs> so you've got Dubai and Germany. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Up, yeah. The joke in our, of Irish people with Germans is how much money we've borrowed off them and that they're never going to see it again. That's the, so that's your opening that's joke That's my then. opener, yeah. I haven't yeah. bought any of the <laughs> money back, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do they know that, though? Do Germans know that? Um, that's the thing, yeah. I don't know what they're, whether the genuine feeling about Irish people is that oh, where, you know... I don't want to be on one of those comedians in the cab on the other side. You're going, right, uh, what about kebabs? Can we just yeah. talk? You know that when you go through a list. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. You're going to go and see all the sites? I will, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go out and do some, you know, boogieing as well uh, when I'm over there. Boogieing? Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I went to... Um, that's yeah, a funny thing to say. Well, the word boogie is quite boogie. provincial, if you don't mind me saying so. Um, I don't know if I've ever said it before, but there we go. <laughs> you probably think Jeff looks like a boogie and kind yeah. of guy. <laughs> I went to um, Finland with Milo and Michael O'Dwally, uh, my, my, Milo McCabe, in Before Christmas, and the gig turned into a nightclub afterwards, and we danced our little asses off afterwards, and we were just like, yeah, forgot about this bloody love you know a boogie so bring it on and go and do more of that mm-hmm. there's nice. lots of clubs in berlin which uh, you know i'll be tempted yeah to visit those historical stuff i'm looking forward to going to it but they you know i, I went online last night to have a look at berlin and they, they've got lots of guilt monuments haven't they they've got lots of monuments to lest we forget monuments okay yeah um which hasn't really worked out has it but it's full of that, and it looked like a whole giant theme park of guilt monuments from the past, you right, know, yeah. where you can do a tour of all the horrible Nazi stuff and um, yeah, and all of that. But sure, England could do with a few of those, couldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what they're doing is getting rid of the old ones that have no guilt, the, you know, the statues exactly, and the yeah, shit. Yeah, you know. <laughs> first steps first. 
Um, so what about Edinburgh? Are you doing that again when Going it comes up? It, yeah. What have you got? What's the show you've got? Don't don't have a show. I'm just starting okay. to write it. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to actually go next year? Or in September, in August, yeah. You have a following there? I bet you do, don't you? I've been, um, yeah, I've been doing the free fringe for a while. So, you know, uh, you know, and do it, it helped. I was doing the same room at the same time every year. Mm. So that seemed to, you know, kind of help people kind of just come along at uh, the shows. And, so and you earn enough money out of that to keep that going to be up there and not miss a month's salary is is that work yeah out yeah i mean well i have stayed in in london before for august and i mean it's 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 good but it's not i think comedy kind of of course switches yeah. off anyway um, you haven't got an idea yet for that or? um i have some but you know it's still still bubbling away but that thing about it being your responsibility i mean that because I'm not an experienced person doing solo shows, I always, I'm always concerned that it's just me and that I've got to set it up. I always like to say I like mm. that there's other people that have done all that hard work and I can just come in and be a high-impact comedian and leave again. Exactly, yeah. And I still have a, a, a not an anxiety, but because I'm planning on, on I'm, I'm in the process of trying to get a, certainly an hour Mm-hmm. show together i think it's just going to be me starting it off going up there and and doing that 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 worries me it is that no does. it is yeah there's a there's a stepping onto the stage that's like oh okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so eleanor tiernan um thank you for coming in to the smart casual studio tell people where they can find you on social media where you're you're going to be appearing soon what plans you've got? Yeah, come and see me, uh, people. On uh, I'm on social media at Eleanor Tiernan uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and I've a small but growing TikTok following. But yeah, come and I'll be on the live stand-up comedy circuit and probably at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival soon. Okay, fantastic! Thanks for coming in, Eleanor Tiernan, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed. This podcast was hosted by me, Jeff Innocent. It was produced and edited by Sam Picconi. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow me on social media at Jeff Innocent Official on Instagram and Innocent Jeff on Twitter. See you next time for another episode of Smart Casual.